Welcome to the Stand Up Tragedy Podcast. My name's Dave and I'm your host. So today on the podcast, we're getting ready for Tragic Friends, which is happening on Thursday, the 25th of September at the Dog Star in Brixton, starting at 7.30. It's pay what you like, so you don't have to pay anything if you can't afford it. But if you can afford it, it'd be great if you could make a contribution at the end by putting some money into our hat. It's going to be a gathering of friends because we took our show up to the Edinburgh Festival this year and we did an hour of tragedy every day throughout the Free Fringe. Tragic Friends is about the friends that we made up there, the friends who joined us up there, old friends, new friends, but also about tragedy because Stand Up Tragedy is a show that brings together performers from all genres of the arts, comedy, music, spoken word, storytelling and more and gets them to do some tragedy. So look at the sadder things in life, whatever tragedy means to them. So it's going to be about friendship and it's going to be about tragedy and it's going to be a really good night. So come and join us. If you want to have an idea of what Stand Up Tragedy can be like, You're going the right way about it, because if you listen to the rest of this podcast, you'll get just such an idea. The first person you're going to hear is Charlie Harrison, who is a longtime performer and supporter and part of Stand Up Tragedy, and she won't be able to make it on the 25th, so I thought it would be really great to show her on the podcast this week because she'll be there in spirit the same goes for the third performer you're going to hear Andy Bodel who is also a stalwart supporter of Stand Up Tragedy neither of them are going to be able to make it because of a diary clash so there we go the other people that you're going to hear Polly McLean she is going to be performing as part of a duo with Joe Murphy at Tragic Friends today you're going to hear her doing some acapella stuff you've got Adele Hampton, who you hear the moment we discovered how amazing that she was. We'd never heard her perform before, but we had a strong recommendation from a strongly excellent poet, Sophia Walker. So we knew she was going to be good, but we hadn't heard how good she was going to be. And you'll hear her being excellent about tragic subjects in today's episode. She's going to be doing that again on the 25th, so come along and join us. And the last voice you're going to hear is Keith Jarrett, who is not performing with us on the 25th. He may be in the audience, but he was nearly part of the lineup, really wanted to get him on, but it just didn't work out that way. So I thought, how better to celebrate our tragic friend Keith than to put him in today's episode. It gives you a sense of the kind of thing that you're going to get on the 25th, but you'll not know what exactly that combination is going to be, what that night is going to feel like, unless you come and join us. So please do. But for now, sit back, relax. Remember that tragedy means dark things, and so there may be some dark content at times in this episode, but relax and sit back and enjoy the tragedy. Yes, and the last bit of sad to go over is we like all kinds of tragedy at Stand Up Tragedy. As, as you can tell, we're, we're interested in finding out all the kinds of tragedies you can have, the scent, the performance, uh, but also the written uh, form of tragedy. So we are uh, putting out publishing uh, short stories and uh, short fiction and non-fiction and poetry on our relaunch blog. You can find that and more at www.standuptragedy.co.uk. And that's the end of all of this boring sadmin. Now we're going to get to the meat or vegetables or potatoes. I don't know. That's the whole thing. I don't know what they're going to do. So we're going to get to somebody doing something that isn't me. And that person is 
a really uh, brilliant uh, comedian who's been uh, working with us at Stand Up Tragedy for a few years. She's got a, another show going on at the festival. You can find it at Electric Circus at 3.15 uh, until Friday. It's a, it's a mixed bill comedy show called See You Next Thursday or Cump, uh, if you want to abbreviate it, uh, which I quite like doing. Which It's her abbreviation, though. I didn't choose that. Uh, words. And anyway, put your hands together for Charlie Harrison! I have 
I do get worried. Like, I get worried that the people around me are going to kill themselves. That sounds stupid, but I do. I foresee this fragility in people like my brother, and I wonder, I worry that they're going to kill themselves. Um, and I just kind of, like, really sometimes, what the effect it had on me is, like, I just wish we could all just hold hands and form some sort of anti-suicide pact where we all just promise, you know? We just promise each other that we won't, that we'll, we'll continue, you know? We'll just stick it out. And then people are like, Charlie, you're just really ruining this engagement party. What <laughs> <laughs> the why we want it. <laughs> it's just hard to know what to do. And I mean, I guess the only meaning I found in the whole of everything, and the only meaning I kind of think of really, is is laughter. And I was simi- so I was similarly kind of awkward at the funeral of my, my friend. And Adrian was there, and I had another kind of awkward conversation, I couldn't think of anything to say because it is just tragic, it is just tragic I can't find a positive thing in this situation Um, but there was something quite brilliant I thought that happened which was a friend of mine sat uh, in the chapel here and the funeral was really really tragic and we're very English, me and my friend, we're platonic friendship and we don't really hug you know, it's that sort of thing and and we're very very strong and all the songs came through and we were just very 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 stoic and I've watched it all and then they played Somewhere Over the Rainbow, and it's <coughs> crushingly tragic to the point where suddenly we were just holding each other and crying. And then we left the chapel, and there was that awkward bit again that you get at weddings and you get at funerals where no one really knows what to do. And we, you know, we'd, we'd cried all these tears. And then I just saw this woman, right, bum bag, Chinese lady, with a camcorder. She hadn't been in the chapel. Okay, filming. <laughs> I turned to David and I said, who films a funeral? And he said, I don't know, Chinese people? <laughs> and in that bizarre and slightly racially inappropriate moment, our tears of of utter kind of mourning and, and, and tragedy and just upset just turned to these hot tears of laughter. It was like having a sort of sedative. We were just sort of like, we were crushing like that, just couldn't stop laughing. Like, just, just hilarious. Just like we were, you know. And then as we were doing that, we couldn't disguise it by us crying, by the way. It was like proper belly laughs, like the Mary Poppins scenes. And that, like that. And, and as we were doing that, slowly, camcorder oh. <laughs> comes around to us. So when when this woman, whoever she was, watches her funeral video, I don't know when you do that Christmas, I don't know, get it out, um, she will watch this very sort of tragic service and there will be these two rather suspicious people having a whirl of a time. But I think that was just, I guess, sorry that this is quite sort of convoluted, but I think what I'm trying to say is that that moment when we are in hysterics is when it feels like there is complete and total meaning, unquestionably, and we've transcended just momentarily from the shittiness and the bleakness of life and its meaninglessness. It's meaninglessness. So yeah, that's what I'm saying basically. Laughter transcends the tragedy and that's pretty beautiful. That's been my story. Dan- Thank you very much for listening. Messing this up.
Uh, yes. I'm hoping he's recording, though, very much after that performance. Yeah, I know. It's, uh... <laughs> the good thing about being clumsy in public, well, there isn't really anything else in that sentence. Uh, it's the only way I get laughs, though. Someone, someone with so much tragedy, you have to have something to undercut it right. Okay. I'm a professional, I, I hope you agree. Right, so our next performer, uh, she's going to be doing some singing for you. She's going to do some music. Uh, you can find her band at slateislands.com. Put your hands together for Polly McLean! <laughs> Yes, slateislands.com, uh, indeed, and I'm usually one of four Slate Islands, but I'm, I'm alone tonight, which is tragedy one. Tragedy two is I have a cold, um, and tragedy three is that, that my name is McLean, not McLean. But anyway. I can't read, I'm really bad at Scottish no, reading, it is sorry. McLean, yeah. Okay, so I'll try and croak this song. I, I did put my hand up when Charlie was asking any Scots here, because I was actually born in Edinburgh, grew up um, over on the west coast on a tiny island, and then fell south to London. And so this tragic. song, tragic indeed, um, this is a song about the impossibility of a, a girl from the Hebrides having a successful relationship with uh, a man from a city uh, of any kind, um, and it's called Trial Separation. <coughs> There's a wicked wind coming off the sea tonight. And it won't be long before the lines are down I'm trying to make contact while I can Sitting huddled in my ancient dressing gown But city life seems very far away I can't imagine what you've done today I think I may have been away too long I won't say that to you in case I'm wrong A fox splashed in the headlights of my car I squinted through the darkness and the rain It lay there twitching on the soaking road I had to find a way to end its pain I've never been the owner of a gun Somehow I did what needed to be done Necessity will always find a way Well, darling, how was office life today? And now, of course, the phone line has gone down. Our conversation cut off in its prime. When last this happened, it took weeks to mend. I think I may be losing track of time. The never-changing, ever-changing hill 
that towered above my childhood towers still. I don't think I'm cut out to be your wife. You've never climbed a mountain in your life. And I'm, I'm hoping that that song is wrong because I did get married to a man from Sheffield a few months ago. There we go. And he is in the audience. That song is not dedicated to you, Joe. Uh, <clears throat> uh, and a, another friend of mine who also fell south, I say a friend of mine, somebody I used to know, uh, right, we'll not go there, <laughs> somebody I used to know who also fell south said to me once, I don't like, um, London people are too fast. And he said, they ask you how you are and they answer for you before you've had a chance chance to say a word because they say, are you all right? And it's true, it's all one phrase, are you all right? It's all one and you don't get a chance to, to reply. So this next song is about that. Oh, and just following on from what, from what Charlie said about how the answer to the meaninglessness is, is, is laughter, I think it's also music, which is a, a great thing about these nights that, that Dave puts on. Thank you for having me, Dave. Um, but yeah, music and laughter and storytelling are uh, the, the campfire that keeps the dark at bay. Uh, so this is uh, the song about uh, not being allowed to say how you are when you're asked how you are. It's called The Rules of Engagement. <coughs> and do feel free to join in with the, co with the chorus. <clears throat> Just get through each day, another will come. Then get through that one, soon you'll be numb. People are obstacles put in your way. If they approach you, here's what you say. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> Being ground down by the daily grind. It broke your body, now it wants your mind. So shut up your shutters and paint on a smile. And keep these words ready at the top of the pile. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> Everyone's tied in their own private knot. Nobody cares what troubles you got. So smile with your face, your mind is your own. Just say, I'm fine, and they'll leave you alone. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. How are you? Pull a cute face like an ape in the zoo. That's all that anyone's asking of you. Make the right shape with your lips and your teeth. Sweet on the surface, savage beneath. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> Talk of the weather, of buses and trains. Don't show your heart and don't show your brains. 
Keep your speech literal, don't go getting metaphorical. And the question, how are you, is always rhetorical. Thank you. <laughs> Holly McLean, am I right? Yeah. Holly McLean, everybody. Wow. I think, I think that last song should, should be dedicated to my mother, I think. <laughs> that's, that's a very similar smile she has on her face. It's always delightful to see. Right. Uh, yeah, I hope that bit didn't record. Right, so, uh, our next performer, he is a storyteller and comedian. He has come up to do this show, pretty much. His name is Andy Bono! Thank you. Hello, Edinburgh. How are you? Hi. Hi. Yeah, I right, don't rub it in. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I've come to do some stand-up for you here tonight. At least I, I plan to do stand-up. I, I did it for Charlie yesterday, and she informed me that it was more like sort of mildly entertaining lecture. <laughs> so, so be prepared for that. Um, um, has anyone here been um, into a coffee shop before and ordered, ordered some coffee? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you have. Right, okay. And one of the milky ones, you know, not one of the frothy ones. Yeah. 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 And, and what word did you use when you asked for that? Latte. 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 So, see, I say latte. latte. I say latte. You, you say, say latte. latte. <laughs> you say latte. No, I'm right, you dick! <laughs> it's not a matter for debate. It's not a question of taste. There's one way of saying it. Latte, okay? <laughs> Sorry, that's just a bit of a bugbear of mine. Um, anyway, um, you'd probably be surprised to know that there's actually some upsides to being bald. Um, I mean, yeah, you get called names in the street and uh, you get a bit chilly in the winter sometimes, but um, on the whole, Looking like a cross between a baby and a skeleton isn't all bad. <laughs> <laughs> for a start, right? For a start, you save an absolute fortune on uh, like condoms, uh, Valentine's cards, engagement rings. Never <laughs> <laughs> need any of that stuff. <laughs> you know what they say? You know what they say about bald men? Yeah. More testosterone, and it's absolutely true. But that's because we get less chance to use it up. <laughs> Still, I, I do miss hairdressers, though. Um, not so much, not so much the weak coffee or the endless conversations about holidays. No, what I miss is the hilarious names they give to their shops, like um, fringe benefits, hair razors, Sherlock Combs, <laughs> curl up and die. Uh, honestly. I say it's a wonder they're not constantly mopping the floor, what with all the customers pissing themselves. <laughs> um, but to comedy clubs having punny names, I can kind of get behind, yeah? It sort of gives you an idea of roughly what to expect. Um, whereas, what message are hairdressers trying to send out? Um, I, I used to, like, turn up and half expect to be greeted by a stylist dressed as a clown who would then spend the next hour tapping me on one shoulder and then appearing behind the other one. <laughs> At the end of which I would walk out looking, at, looking like Marge Simpson. Still, it's better than Homer, I suppose. So, um, imagine, right, what if uh, other shops used comedy names? Uh, what about banks, for example, if banks had comedy names? Um, Come on in, take advantage of our hilarious rates of interest. <laughs> they'd, they'd have to call themselves things like cash converters and Wonga. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, right? It's not 
your pronunciation, you carry on saying it the way you want to say it, right? You, you insult <laughs> the language of 60 or right? That is your affair, okay? Anyway, um, Tom, Andy, Andy, I hear you cry. Um, you, you don't need hair, you're old. <laughs> and it's kind of true, you know, I'm maybe slightly advanced in years now, but you all, from what I can see, you all look quite young in here. Look at you. <laughs> With your taut skin, and your dreams. Sorry, <laughs> unnecessarily bitter. Um, anyway, but I am not like I'm not like approach a cash machine as if it's a nuclear bomb in a James Bond movie. Old. Uh, I'm more um, use perfect spelling, grammar, and punctuation in every text and email. Old. Um, so for um, oh, I only wrote this today, so some of it's not very sticky in my head. Um, but uh, oldness, generally. Um, <laughs> leading, oh yes, um, and technology. Um, I'm not a complete technophobe. Um, I, uh, I've done a bit of internet shopping. It's great, you don't have to go to the shops. Uh, done some internet banking. No, you don't have to go to the bank. In fact, I recently started internet dating. <laughs> um, turns out you still have to go on the date. Um, but, uh, apparently there's, there's only one kind of dating that I'm good for now, and that's carbon. No, see what I have a problem with, right, is you correcting my pronunciation, okay? I have a degree in linguistics and an Italian ex-girlfriend, whereas you saw it once on an episode of Friends. <laughs> but I am a little bit, I'm a little bit concerned about the march of technology, right? I think um, we spend all day at our computers, at work, right, all night on our tablets, <coughs> And apparently some people now can't bear to be torn away from their precious internet in between the two. So they walk along the streets, like, like this. Yes. Yeah? So every time I see dog shit in the streets these days, right, someone's already stepped in it. <laughs> and every time I think, I hope that was someone who was playing Candy Crush. Because <laughs> <laughs> what are they doing on their phones all this time? What is so important that they can't look up for five seconds, right? Um, are they maybe performing remote heart surgery on a patient in the Philippines? <laughs> Are they perhaps um, negotiating with kidnappers for the release of loved ones? No, most of the time they're just checking to see if anyone's like their status about which fucking Game of Thrones character they are. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and we got a hole in the, in the brain thing. Uh, technology, um, yes, um, you, again, go back to you. <laughs> They don't even have an R sound in Italian. There is, it's latte. How could it be latte when they, they, they don't have an R? Phonology. Basic phonology. Um, so yeah, um, technologically uh, speaking, we um, need to move on to my next bit. Which... Shit, I'm really sorry about this. What? Oh yes, thank you. Oh yes, you heard it yesterday. I should just get Charlie to do it. She's much better for me than I am. Better memory, better looking. Um, <laughs> yes, no, what, what, um, what flabbexes me about, about the whole technology thing is the fact that everyone right, is up in arms about the NSA, you know, the, the, the American Intelligence Agency, uh, and GCHQ, about spying on us, right, invading our privacy, yeah? Whereas we live in, in possibly the least private generation in the history of mankind, okay? Like, everyone is constantly online, like, checking in their location on Facebook, um, tagging themselves in photos, blogging about their sex lives. 
but sharing every last tedious half-thought idea on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they don't want to give a tiny shred of information to, to a broadly well-meaning government body, let's face it, whose, whose ultimate aim is law and order. But they have no problem whatsoever sharing every detail of their athlete's foot with someone they met at a party for five minutes. <laughs> it's, a, it's, like, it's like an exhibitionist complaining about a peeping tom. I liked that line. <laughs> but basically, I think I, see what, I think I see what the problem is, right? It, it, we don't actually mind them having this information, right? We're quite happy for the NSA to know our every last movement and status update. What we don't like is the fact that they've never liked or retweeted any of it. <laughs> I, I have a simple solution, right? Which is just to um, let them have access to the information, that's fine, but in return, they provide us with a, with a small service. So every few days they send us a reminder, like uh, Sunday, don't forget, Mum's birthday, <laughs> or, or, or say you're going to see your friends, Janice and Ian, right? you've forgotten their kids' names again, right. don't worry, it's uh, Benjamin and Rosa. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, anyway, phonology, going back to what I was saying before, there's a simple rule for borrowing words from another language, right? basically you either preserve the negative phonology, so latte, Latte, repeat after me. Latte. Latte. Right. <laughs> or, or you convert it to the English sound system. Latte. Right. Simple. Okay? Good. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the, the thing that's suffered the most uh, uh, from, from, from the dawn of the internet is charity. Yeah, because I'm sure we used to do charity differently when I was a boy. Like, if you believed in a cause, you would do something. Yeah? You would, like, I don't know, run a marathon or, um, or, or climb a mountain. But these days, apparently, the only skill you need to be a good Samaritan is cut and paste. Right. So, what's that? Female genital mutilation? Why, this calls for an outrage tweet! Or, oh no, pilot whales are being mutilated in the Faroe Islands. Whatever shall I do? Um, I know, another status update. But the worst one, right? The one that really grates my gonads. It's Movember. You're familiar with Movember? Mm, oh, no, fucking November. Yeah. Not. Yeah. Yes, alright, you're just mucking about. <laughs> you're allowed. <laughs> anyway, look, as far as I can see, it's the laziest charity activity ever. Right. Um, somebody's mildly concerned about prostate cancer, yeah? So uh, instead of cycling from Lanzer to John O'Groats, say, they just don't shave for a month. It's like, um, Lights went out and I just ducked and they weren't talking in my face anymore. <laughs> I think I think my time's nearly up, isn't it? I think I should probably move on. I'll just quickly, quickly share a final moan about um, about no smoking signs. Because I smoke um, and, and I realise that, that sometimes there are places where it's dangerous or inappropriate to smoke. And that's fine. That's fine. But why do the no smoking signs have to have pictures of cigarettes in them? Like, it's been two hours, yeah? You're trapped on the tube, yeah. you're gasping. You've just managed to put that to put that craving for nicotine to the back of your head. And then BAM! In your face, giant picture of a, of a lovely, freshly lit, pristine cigarette. It's a bit like putting up huge posters of Emma Watson being angrily fisted by Kelly Brook, right? Next to a sign saying no wanking. <laughs> Sorry if that was a bit of a Inappropriate one to end on. Anyway, um, I believe you both have been lovely. Thank you very much. I'm um, just using.
Andy Bogle, everybody. A man that I disagree with about the NSA, but thoroughly agree with about smoking signs and November. Right, uh, November, not November. Anyway, yeah. Our next performer is going to be doing some spoken word for you. Put your hands together for Adele Hampton! Hey guys. So this is a cool thing. We never get to talk about our feelings in America um, on stage like this. And I have a lot of feelings. Um, but yeah, but uh, I think that's kind of tragic in the United States um, is how we think of race. And especially when that comes to people who are more than one race, um, which kind of makes us all three-headed monsters um, in the eyes of middle school and high school friends. Um, but yeah, here's a poem about that. When I was little, I used to think that I was stuck in a dream and that I'd wake up as a white girl. And I was dancing in a kitchen that was big enough to hold two steps and swinging hips. When I was little, my mother warned me that my life as a mixed girl would be a hard kind of shuffle. With one heel on the edge of grandma's prim lawns and blue houses the other on daddy's street corners where glass blankets the bottom of playground slides. And I know that it's no one's fault that I often think of this skin more costume than home, constantly straddling minstrel show and white picket fence perfection for some. The definition of trauma is being forced to ignore the casualties of life's havoc to live in a constant and deafening silence as we choke back the struggle some days. The only thing I can do is picture myself skinny, with blue eyes like my grandmother, with perfectly brown, tousled hair that lets everyone know that I'm super gay and super, and super confident and fit into this community, but I'm not. I was raised to be a graceful child, told to strike down my vulnerable because no one ever wants to talk about how difficult it is to be different, suburban bred. I was raised white with the siren snared in the back of my mouth like the lump in my throat were the words, I need help. I kept choking on myself constantly, tying my tongue around the bedpost silently, blood binding the monsters of my two halves. Solitude and the faces I wish looked back at me in the mirror one day. Thought I could teach my veins how to breathe in the air of my childhood bathroom, all the while thinking how fucking pathetic it was to be afraid to erase my own skin, to sever the very thing my ancestors have marched into permanence. But what's your response when you're not really black? is laughed in your face by chosen family when you're forced to go to the mall just to sit in stores that never fit because your breasts and your backbone were too broad for Victoria's Secret. What's your response? When your skin is too light not to be afraid of black hands running through your hair in the locker room after gym class. So, you mixed or something. High school can be a trap for an already stretched identity. It's funny how I've always come undone when trying to defend myself, trying to present these brown swatches as proof of history, but quick comebacks never come out quick enough because I never thought anyone would accept my naked, my voice has become a violent, silent sap covering up the hurt I've harbored for years of not being able to erase my own skin some days. I think the bravest thing a person can do is speak their own melanin into a mirror. I am the clatter a brown daughter to a white mother, and I'm still trying to find the perfect kitchen to dance in, and I hope to God there is more in me than a wanting to be somebody else. 
Thank you. Um, so yeah, so my last piece, um, I guess, uh, is also tragic. This is like a really cool night because we don't ever like explore what tragedy is um, in the States. We're all just like, here's all our feelings. Um, but yeah, um, so yeah. His name is Walter. He sits on a trash can outside the corner of Starbucks across the street from my office. When it rains, he wears a tattered black coat and uses newspapers wrapped in plastic as a seat cushion he has slouched. With yellow teeth set intervaled in brown gums, hospital bracelets, bracelets accent his rugged shoes. He is one frayed familiar face amongst the suits, rubbed out graffiti on a K Street sidewalk. Sometimes only the broken stop to appreciate. Walter Coos, but he never really cat calls. Instead, he asks about my weekend or why I wasn't there one morning, wishes me a good day, and then turns away. I've given him six packets of Splenda, three stirring straws, and have started to worry when he's not there. My mother says there are reasons why men like Walter aren't allowed in Starbucks, why some women shake hungry cups at businessmen, and why some children's lips don't turn upright. I want to tell her she is right. There are reasons why some people are torn, but she can be wrong in her assumptions about where their rags come from. See, my mother is privileged. Maybe one day she would have stopped to ask why Walter was in the hospital last Tuesday, but now she mourns me about men with threadbare shoes. Homelessness never sounded so refined until I got to college. So <laughs> until I got to college. Cultural and social effects of colonization and racism and cultural and social effects of the African diaspora. I sank my teeth in the meat of my people's problems from my classroom seat, never once giving heart to the issue that holds out empty hands because no, that's too tough of a subject. Tell me, teacher, why some people are more vulnerable to certain illnesses. Can I get access to good medical care and are caught in a corkscrew of disadvantage and poor health? Tell me, professor, why I can't write a poem about struggle without feeling like I've done my people a disservice, these words. Tighten rope around my wrists and walk my feet up to the guillotine because I'm scared shitless to confess how I'm choking on this silver spoon suspended in my throat. I've got a childhood of horseback riding lessons, family trips to Europe, and a grand piano in my back pocket. And it takes all the strength I have not to hold out shaking palms and say, Walter, I wish I knew your last name. One day, on our way home from the doctor's office, my little sister asked me if we were spoiled. I told her no, because we were raised to appreciate what we had. I told her no, because our father knows what it knows what it's like to know, not know where his meal, next meal is gonna come from. I told her no, because we knew better, but I didn't know better enough to pull the truth from my cuffs and say, little sister, we are privileged. Our kitchen drawers are full of silverware. We cannot ignore the house we grew up in, but little sister, no, that spoiled is not a replacement word for rotten. No, you have the ability to see beyond class, onto street corners and sidewalks. You know, look down on souls, little sister, instead. Meet eyes with smiles and thank their owners for their holy teeth. Walter sits on a trash can outside the corner Starbucks across the street from my office. He is one frayed familiar face amongst the suits and you don't have to be broken to stop and say good morning. Thank you guys.
Adele Hampton. Wow, that's the first time we've had her here at Stand Up Tragedy, and she has uh, amazed me today. So I can only hope that she'll come back again. You can find him on Facebook at Keith J Poetry. Uh, put your hands together for Keith Jarrett! Um, hello, hi, um, something really tragic, I just found something on my notes in this phone, as you do, and I, I, I don't know where it came from, I wrote it yesterday apparently at 2.59, and it just says, WTF, our hand-cooked crisps. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's it, um. And, and, and I was inspired, you know, like, because Richard Tyron Jones, he's got this show called What the Fuck Is This? I, I, I felt like just repeating it, so I did repeat it to myself. And, and you, you can join in with me if you want. Um, I, I need that to buoy me up. For I'm going to say it in full, though. What the fuck are hand-cooked crisps? What the fuck are hand-cooked crisps? <laughs> What the fuck are hand-cooked crisps? Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I just... I, just I, I was wondering that. Um, I'm glad I've got that out of the way. Um, I'll, I'll just do a, a short haiku. Um, yeah, <laughs> a long haiku. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, the, the, the long bit is the title. The day I bought you flowers. Tesco's. Discount Rose. Lucky girl, the cashier chimes. Yes, I say, he is. And um, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, I, I don't know how many of you have been. This this is really tragic. I don't know how many of you have, have ever been um, on on a gay dating dating uh, website or app or something along those lines. Um, if you haven't, then great. This this might be a bit of an education. Um, if you have, then this this is probably your profile. Um, <laughs> in which case, apologies for breach of copyright. <laughs> No time wasters, no fats, no femmes. And no offense, I have black friends, but sexually they do nothing for me. Just the way it is. I'm not racially prejudiced, but no Asians either. No one under eight inches. No size queens, please. No pick collectors. No one who isn't interested in sending at least ten pictures. But no dicks, no assholes, no time wasters. No one-line messages. No stupid questions like, what are you into? Read my list. No queens, no queers, no twinks, no bears, no gym bunnies, no baggage, no strings to tie them down with. No kinks, no whips, no kissing. Definitely no kissing. No bad breath, bad hygiene, bad attitude. No rude people. I'm not afraid to tell you where to get off. No under-21s. No over 25s. No lying about your age. No lying about your weight. You are a big, fat liar. Yes, you know who you are. I've blocked you already. No ping pong emails. No replies to hi. Say something interesting. No average. I don't do average. No marriage proposals from Nigeria. No inferior people. No total subs. No total tops. No verse. 
Make up your mind. And even worse if you say you're one thing and turn out to be the other. No undercover closet cases. No couples. No attached. No mismatching eyebrows. No piercings. No tats. No one who hasn't seen a razor in the last week. No one who hasn't seen the inside of a gym in the last day. No one too thin, too short, too dim. No one who can't hold a decent conversation. No one who talks too much. This is a cruising site. No low lives. No unrealistically high expectations. I'm not a model. I'm not an oil painting, and I'm not an unreasonable boy. In fact, I'm not a boy at all, especially spelt with an I. Why? Oh, yeah. No other chavvy greetings like, what's up, or hey, mister. My list could go on, but I don't want to sound picky. And if you've taken the trouble to read this far, then well done for being one of the very few literate people on here. This site has been going downhill for years. I don't even know why I'm bothering. You're probably just a time waster anyway. So yeah, I, I was um, kind of writing this rant um, earlier this week, um, and and we've decided it's it's not a rant, but what was it's a, a routine. This is a routine. <laughs> <laughs> after I've protested outside embassies, after I've brought badges and signed petitions and wondered whether my details will land in guilty hands after I've been elbow bumped by bulky banners and bellowed out mantras, shame on you, shame on you, shame on you. And after I've read and seen read and been ambiguous, after I've drained myself of pride and piss in a discreet corner over a drain, and after I've been that drain, and after I've refilled at the pub, and after I've spilled my stories on festival stages, and after I've once again pulled my tongue from out of the custody of its thirsty mouth and after I have drunk and after I've been promised living water and hellfire by the same preachers and shame on you has become my personal mantra praying on my lonely and then after I thought if Jesus couldn't save me maybe feminism could and after I burnt my bra quietly with my chest still inside and after the smoke inhalation and after I've singed everything and I can no longer pull myself out by my short and curlies and I can no longer pull myself out of the protest or pull myself out of the bed and after and after and after R. Kelly and believing I can fly and learning I fucking well can't and after believing in myself when I could no longer believe in truth and then believing in the divination of tongues locked against each other during one night stands and after breaking my bed during an adventurous headstand and after trying unsuccessfully to watch Breaking Bad and then breaking bread in restaurants with old university friends where the only flow in conversation is do you remember the time you vomited all over my room and after vomiting in that room and promising never to drink again and after drinking again and not vomiting and after vomiting again but not from drinking and after returning to the same broken bed and after the second coming where all religious references are erased and after downplaying all cultural context and negating all the adverse effects of history to justify genocide and after I've been muttering history keeps repeating, history keeps repeating until my tongue is dry and after I've drunk again and after I've become a full-blown slacktivist and avoided the protest because I have no voice left to shout with. And consequently, after I've buried my tongue somewhere else instead, and after I absent-mindedly wrote you a poem, and after I burnt that poem and felt the hairs on my chest singe one more time, and after shame on you has worked its one-size-fits-all magic, I've forgotten how to roll back the progress of time and release the pressure on my head, which is always so angry, always gets rubbed up the wrong way by the well-meaning like a tight foreskin in virgin hands. After I've 
bartered some of my anger for vulgarity and some of my sadness for sarcasm and I still feel shortchanged. And after, I mean before, I mean during, and enduring the weight of a double-decker bus on my eyelids every single time I leave my home, and before the violence, and before the violins start playing, and before the drumbeat begins to really kick in, and before the euphoric crowd high on ketamine, MDMA, methadrone, alcohol, and life jump up in unison with one hand in the air, and before my cry is drowned out by the stomp, I just wanted to say, never look down. That's it. Um, I think I've got time for uh, one more. Sorry. Um, so yeah, this one I, I won't introduce. Uh, just ten ways to avoid hearing him say sorry. One, change the subject. The weather is plentiful. The rain is problematic. The third stair still snitches on you, even ten years later when you try to creep upwards unnoticed. Two, this close up, your dad's head is like the large Dutch pot above the kitchen cupboard. Leave that to stew for a few minutes. Three, in Latin American Spanish, ahorita is an imprecise way of saying not quite now. Feel your tongue curl up on the R. Flick it out like a Swiss knife. Cuatro, no entiendo inglés. Five, use find and replace to destroy the word or press backspace till your PC beeps a void. Six, beat him to it. I'm sorry for those unanswered texts. I'm sorry for ever being 15 years old. I'm sorry for taking the knife out the house. It wasn't like that. I promise. Seven, sorry isn't the hardest word to say. For me, it's world. And the way it whirls empty in my mouth. If you're, say, Yonosuke, the Japanese student I taught, scrawl will sound like a mess of consonants surrounding one lonely vowel. It is one of many things you cannot vocalize. Eight, the search engine told me that in Japanese, I'm sorry is pronounced suminasen. Nine, lo siento. Ten. I'm sitting on the third stair of our conversation in a house I lost the keys to many years ago, sifting through letters that still come in my name, and I want to be able to look you in the eyes and tell you it's okay. Thank you. Keith Jarrett, everybody. You always place me away. So as I said at the start of the show, Tragic Friends is coming up and we would love you to join us. So the tragedy is over for now in this podcast form, but it's coming up next week on Thursday from 7.30. We've got a really amazing lineup of people who we discovered in Edinburgh who we're really pleased to be able to share with you and old friends who do amazing work. The lineup includes... Jay Foreman, Bridie Lee Kennedy, Josh Norris, Tim Ralphs, Faye Roberts, and so many more brilliant performers. And it's going to be a real party feel. So if you want to come and have a tragic party, if you want to come and see some people who like each other, impressing each other with their sadness, come along and join the fun. It's pay what you like. So... You can basically come to this show for free if you want to, but obviously I'll only be able to pay the performers and myself if you 
you pay some money to it and it's in the spirit of the free fringe so we welcome audiences we also welcome your support and it's your choice whether you want to give it to us We've got all sorts of surprises, not just stuff on stage, but stuff off stage too. We're going to have some merch to sell from our Edinburgh experience. And really, it would be wonderful to see you there. Tell your friends, tell everybody you know. This is going to be a great time and it will be even greater the more people we get to come along and join us. If you can't join us though, don't worry. The shows will be podcast over the next month. But you know... Lots of the performances at Stand Up Tragedy are visual and the ones that are visual you're never going to get as good in audio form. So come along if you can. You can follow us on Twitter at Stand Up For Tragedy, that's the number four, or like us or friend us on Facebook or go over to our website and check out everything we've got there like our relaunched blog and all sorts of extra goodies at www.standuptragedy.co.uk That's how to keep abreast of the tragedy, make some friends with some tragedy, to follow some tragedy. That's what you can do there. But for now, the tragedy is over. This podcast was put together by me with the audio recorded by Stephen Harvey and music from Samuel Wilkinson and George Brough.